0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Dash of Science, the show that takes science, engineering, medicine, and technology topics and discusses it at a level everyone can understand, answering all the questions you never knew you had. My name's Chris, and as always, I will be your faithful host, guiding you through the wonders and truths of the world around you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy A Dash of Science. Don't Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I just wanted to give a uh, quick shout-out, I guess, uh, kind of to myself also. Uh, today I recorded a great episode with my friends over the Nick and Vince podcast. They had me on, uh, did an interview, we talked about uh, rocketry, science, working at NASA, uh, that kind of stuff. It was a lot of fun, so make sure you check them out at Nick and Vince podcast. You can find them uh, on iTunes, on Podbean, uh, you can find them at... at uh, Twitter, and I'll put all that information in the show notes, so you can you can go to those directly. Uh, but yeah, so. Here I am, uh, back after a wonderful week at the NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. Uh, I'd love to say that I went to the convention as a podcaster, but uh, podcasting I don't think is quite there yet uh, with NAB, though they did have some panels and stuff there, which was great to see, uh, which I'll probably talk about uh, on a on a sidebar episode coming up, uh, but yeah, so... It's great. So uh, hopefully my voice isn't too horrible. Uh, unfortunately I went to Vegas for this conference and I, not everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because I brought back with me the most horrendous illness that I don't even know what it was. Uh, it was gross. It was coughing. It was in my head. I'm pretty sure it gave me pink eye for a while. Uh, But yeah, I'm feeling much better now, but I still kind of have a little bit of a sore throat, so please uh, bear with me if if I don't sound my normal, chipper, awesome self today. But anyways, uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different from what we normally do. Uh, Normally we like to take on a topic, and we usually like to invite somebody that is a scientist or educator, engineer, somebody that is an expert in that field. But today I wanted to do something different. I wanted to talk about something uh, with someone who it affects on a daily basis. So today's topic is Huntington's disease, uh, and if you haven't heard of it, you're not alone. It's not a very well-known disease, as you'll see from the interview coming up. Uh, I'm doing an interview with Carrie Dykes, and I wanted to give a nice kind of raw feeling to this interview and allow her to speak as if she's speaking to people who she's never you know, talked about this before so that you can get all the information that you can as if you were having a conversation. Uh, so if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll probably remember her name because she is in fact my girlfriend and, uh, we've been dating for nearly, uh, 10 years now. So huge part of my life. Uh, it, we kind of approached it like a, uh, interview with somebody that she doesn't know. So if that kind of comes across as not understanding our relationship, just putting that out front, uh, And I also wanted to remind everybody, again, uh, she has Huntington's disease. She is not a medical or scientific expert in this field. So the answers that she's giving are coming from her perspective as somebody who's living on a day-to-day basis with this disease. And I encourage everybody to please go Go to HDSA, uh, look up this disease, read about it, and learn about it so you can get kind of the scientific facts. And maybe we'll do another episode in the future with some researchers or some doctors that uh, specialize in this area. But for now, I just really wanted to bring you her story. Uh, Please stay tuned. After the interview, I'll just uh, toss in some quick uh stats and and some corrections from things that i said within the episode this was kind of off the cuff no research again i wanted that raw story for you but uh, i hope you enjoy it and uh let's get started all right everybody welcome back to the show today we're going to be talking about huntington's disease huntington's disease is a fatal genetic disorder that causes the progressive breakdown of nerve cells in the brain It deteriorates a person's physical and mental abilities during their prime working years and has no cure. HD is passed down from parent to child with a 50% chance that a child would get it if at least one parent has it. Now, today we're going to do something a little out of the ordinary. Usually we take experts in the field and we talk to them about their scientific or engineering knowledge on a subject. But today we're going to talk to a person who has Huntington's disease and we're going to take a perspective from someone who has to live with that every day and see what that's like. So with me today is Carrie Dykes. How are you doing, Carrie?
1: I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. So, I guess, why don't we start off with you telling me from your perspective, what is it like living with this disease every day?
1: Um, I would say day to day, it wouldn't affect me too much because uh, I'm not too far along in my progression it affects my memories and stuff like that but um the real pressure comes on looking into the inevitable end knowing that your end's coming soon and it's not pretty
0: yeah i can understand that so what has huntington's always been a part of your life have you always known like where i mean obviously you have it so one of your parents had i guess let's start which one of your parents had hd
1: Um, My mother had it, and uh, I didn't know she had it until I was in my early teenage years. And so from that point on, I knew it was possible that I could get this disease.
0: Okay. And I I guess Huntington's is actually, in the realm of of diseases and stuff, is kind of a a newer disease. We didn't know about it until not too long ago. Is that accurate?
1: So when my mom was diagnosed, um, there wasn't a lot of knowledge about it. Um, like the testing and stuff was, was really not heard of. Um, so that was very weird.
0: Yeah. And so you said you didn't know until you had a a teenager. So when your mom first started showing signs of this disease, uh, I mean, did people know something was wrong? Was it attributed to something else?
1: Um, well, my parents were divorced and I didn't see my mother for several years. So when she came back into my life, she was already starting to have symptoms, but um, the way that it attacks the body, it makes you move um, like uncontrollably. So it looked like she was on drugs or she was drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. So we attributed it to that until we knew more information.
0: And do you know uh, which grandparent had it?
1: Uh, my grandfather had it.
0: Do you know anything about him or his uh, progression with the disease? Or
1: All I know is they pulled my mom out of school when she was in eighth grade and had her take care of him when he got sick and he died at 49. And I only know that because my mom's goal was to live to 50 and she died like a couple of days before her 50th birthday.
0: Okay. Sorry to hear that. So what do you like when people come and ask you about Huntington's disease, because I know you have a tattoo on, on your shoulder to kind of draw attention because you want to get the word out about this disease because it's so rare. Uh, wh- wh- how do you explain it to them?
1: Um. Well, it's... The movements are kind of like Parkinson's, only instead of shaking, like, your it's complete muscle movement, like your arm over your head, or moving your legs, or, you know, not being able to control how your body moves, and, uh, I guess the progression in the mind is more like, um, Alzheimer's disease, like, you start forgetting the information, you start regressing, um, to earlier stages, there's, you know, uh, lots of, like, brain damage,
0: I guess. <laughs> That does not sound fun at all. Uh, is there any organizations or anything that are going on that are, that are kind of looking into this? I mean, where are we at? I, I know there's no cure for it right now, but are there treatments? What kind of... Um, do you know anything about that kind of stuff?
1: Um, well, this would be a really good time to put a shout out to the um, HGSA, uh, Huntington's Disease Society of America, I think. Um, they take donations and stuff, and they do research, and they do help with home care, and that sort of stuff. Um, I feel like I didn't answer your question. Did I answer your question?
0: <laughs> I was just asking if there's any organizations that help or, or where the medicine uh, research is at this point in time.
1: Um, I have heard that there is a research study going on, um, and I think, in England somewhere, if I'm correct. Anyway, it's it's not here local, but uh, they seem to be showing really good progress with regressing the genes, um, but it's still in its trial phases. So uh, at mm-hmm. this point, there is nothing really
0: so is there any type of medicine that they're that they give you now do they kind of I mean does this work like any other diseases or is it kind of its own separate thing
1: Well they can somewhat handle some of the um effects like they can give you like medicine to help knock you out they can you know uh I'm trying to think. I just drew a total blank.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting that you drew a blank because uh, I've read that they kind of attribute it to a lot of the, a lot of studies that do Huntington's disease also look into Alzheimer's. So uh, it, have you had any experience with anybody in your family with that?
1: Um, we haven't had any Alzheimer's in our family. I think we lucked out there. We've got enough bad stuff. We don't need that, yeah, too. I, uh,
0: yeah, I can understand that. Uh, so on a day-to-day basis... Uh, like, I guess, can I ask, where are you at in, in the progression of the disease?
1: Um, I have little ticks once in a while, little movements I can't control, but they're, I mean, not too common, maybe a couple a day. Um, mine's really come in hard, um, mentally. Like, um, I'm unable to drive anymore because I have trouble paying attention to what's going on around me. And I started cutting drivers off and, like, going down one way streets and, uh, missing stop signs, that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, that sounds scary.
1: And, uh, I have memory issues, like I have to think about what I'm going to say before I say it or I lose what I'm thinking about. Um, like it takes me all day to clean the kitchen because I keep getting sidetracked, finding other things to do, and I keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back.
0: <laughs> so on a daily basis, how does this affect your daily life? Are you taking any medicines right now? Or
1: um, Well, I take medicine for some of the emotional problems they have. So I'm like on an antidepressant, um, that helps with the mood swings that are accompanied in this disease. Mm -hmm. Um, which I guess we didn't mention before to add to everything else. You have emotional issues that come along. Um, so yeah.
0: How about how many medicines are you taking right now?
1: Well, I have several diseases, but for Huntington's, I think I'm taking three, maybe.
0: And that's just once a day or several times a day?
1: Um, I've got... One I take twice a day and the rest I take about once a day.
0: So, I mean, you can't drive, so are you working?
1: Um, I don't work anymore, mainly because I can't get anywhere, but I'm also concerned, like, I have a master's degree that I would love to use, but I'm afraid that I won't remember a kid's name or I won't, you know, be able to keep up with what's going on at work, and that makes me feel like I'm not giving 100% and that people would suffer from that.
0: And what is your degree in?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. It's in uh, school counseling.
0: Okay, so most people say, oh, you don't remember a kid's name. That's not that big of a deal. But I mean, it, it kind of probably is in that field, right? Like you're you're there with that kid. You're supposed to be that, that person who is caring and doesn't care about anything else going on. So I can see how that would be important. And then, of course, there's also the issue of, I mean, it's got to be difficult to uh, drive into work if you can't drive, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that so, would be difficult. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's also hard because I live out in the middle of nowhere where we don't have a lot of resources. So not only do I not have like Uber access or a bus access, but I also don't have access to like the hospitals that have good HD centers like Los Angeles has um, great UCLA has a great, great Huntington's program. Uh,
0: so how old are you now?
1: I am 32. 32.
0: Sounds right. (laughs) I had to think about it. Yeah. Uh, And how long have you known that you for sure have had, that you for sure have Huntington's disease?
1: Um, I made the choice to get tested really early because I was thinking about starting a family and I was concerned about passing my Um, potential genetic issues onto my children, um, which is a really big deal for me. I couldn't handle that. Mm -hmm. So I went and got tested at 23, which isn't very common. People usually wait a lot longer. A lot of people just don't get tested at all because they're scared. But um, as soon as I knew, like as soon as I thought about having a family, I had to know. So I went in at 23 and I got tested. And uh, so I've known since then.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the testing experience? Uh, Like, what did you have to do? What was, you know, everything kind of about that?
1: Um, I went and talked to a counselor and I uh, told him that I had, that I was pretty sure that I was going to get Huntington's disease and that I wanted to get tested before I started a family. And uh, they have you do six months of uh, counseling beforehand to make sure that you're ready for your results in case they're a negative result. They don't want you in a bad state of mind so that you might hurt yourself or do something stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, And then afterwards, you're also supposed to have lots of counseling.
0: Okay. And did you have lots of counseling?
1: I did not. I actually talked him into letting me get it um, without the six months early because I had good reasons and I he thought I was stable enough to go ahead and do it. And then afterwards I quit going because I didn't like my counselor.
0: <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> That's not advice. I don't mean to laugh. I've just... Uh, that what a horrible situation to be in to not like your counselor
1: um i do advise getting counseling um especially beforehand because getting that news was like getting hit by a truck the only thing i remember about the entire situation was my boyfriend was with me he was holding my hand and i kept thinking to myself you need to remember what he's saying to you you need to remember what he's saying to you and i don't remember a word that you he just said to remember me. the
0: mantra that you're repeating huh <laughs> Uh, so where were you at in life when you got that news? Were you going to school still? You said you have a master's degree at 23, so I assume you're probably somewhere in the line of, of schooling, right?
1: Um, yep. I was in the middle of my master's program. Um, it was actually kind of bad timing because I did it over, or I tried to do it over Thanksgiving break, but then we had issues with, um, the holiday falling during my procedure. So it ended up taking like a month instead of two weeks. And then when I got the information, it was right before finals. So I kind of tanked two of my finals. Um, but I talked to the teachers and I got extensions.
0: Well, I'm glad that they were able to do that. That has to be really hard. You know, when, when you're a young adult and you're going to school and you're finishing up your master's degree and you're just getting ready to start off with your life, uh, you know, you spent all that time working so hard. I mean, that's got to hit you like a brick wall.
1: Um, it really did. It made me think really hard about whether I wanted to continue going to school or not. Um, One, because I wasn't sure if I would be able to. I wasn't sure when I would start getting symptoms and how quick they would come on so I didn't know if I would be able to keep up in class or if I would be deterred from going. Um, And I also, like, you want to just go out and do everything all at once because you feel like this impending doom, like, is marching towards you and so, you know, I, I try to I know this sounds cliche, but live life, you know, one day at a time. And I try to, I try to say yes. That's my thing in my head. I don't always do great at it, but I always try to say yes. Someone says, you want to go to lunch? I say yes. They say, you want to go to a movie? I say yes, because I don't know how many movies I have or how many lunches I have with those people.
0: I can understand that. I don't care about the state of art. Everything I cared about is falling
1: apart. Don't want to hear about the new design
0: I don't mind if
1: I get left behind Dear VetTix, thank you for a great experience and for your support, the military, and veterans.
0: Thank you so much, VetTix. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert game or a special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran. Give your extra tickets to VetTix. Give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to vettix.org. We're talking with Carrie Dykes and her experiences with Huntington's disease. Let's get back to the interview. So your mindset when you first found out versus... uh, How long ago was that? You are 23 or 32 now, so it's almost 10 years ago now.
1: I know, it's getting long. That's, uh,
0: That's crazy. That's a long time to be living with that. So I guess... The difference between your mental state then and now? Has it improved? Has it gotten worse? Is it the same? Is it just kind of day by day?
1: Um, It's day by day. Um, I have some really good days um, where I love my family and I love life and I love everything going on. And then sometimes there's just that impending doom and I have a bad day and I'm depressed and I don't want to get out of bed. But um, it's really important to have a support system. I have a boyfriend who is amazing, who not only stayed with me knowing I'm going to get sick but let me into the life with his son so I have an opportunity to have a stepson which I never would have had otherwise and so I have that support structure and then I have family that knows um and everybody knows I tell everybody because I want everyone to know about the disease cuz it's so rare um but that support structure just really that's what you need to to have a good time
0: and that probably comes into why you recommend the counseling so much being prepared for that just Post, pre, post, and after. Now, we talked about how this disease is, is kind of a 50-50 chance and just a little bit on on how that works. A lot of people uh, misunderstand this. Uh, we've gone to uh, meetup groups, you know, and support groups and um, people say that they don't believe that 50-50 because they will see a family of eight and seven people will get it or they'll see a family of six and only one person will get it. So, uh, what that means is each individual child that is born will have a 50-50% chance doing it. So if you have, you know, a thousand children over time, that, that'll that average out to a 50-50. But that's kind of a hard thing for people to visually see when they have a family in front of them. The reason why I bring that up is, uh, so uh, do you have any siblings?
1: Um, I do have a sibling. I have an older sister. Um, we have the same mom who is who gave me my gene. And, um, she also got tested and she is not positive, which is wonderful because she has children. And so now her children are not going to be able to get it. So as far as our family goes, I am the last person who will ever get sick in our family.
0: And has that caused any issues between you and her for better or for worse?
1: Um, it's really difficult. My sister's difficult to start with. Um, but she, um, I guess like she wanted to be part of what was going on, I guess. Like, she feels like now I'm the sick one and somehow, like, she feels guilty that she's not the sick one. Does does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of guilt in there for everybody. I mean, across anything, any time a group of people go through something and only one suffer it, there, there's a lot. I mean, with veterans coming back, there's survivor's guilt, right? So I, I can imagine how difficult that would be and, and probably nobody really talks about that because they're focused on the sick person and rightly they should be, but you know, that's, that affects a whole family. Uh, did, did your sister, you said she didn't get tested or she did get tested, but she didn't have it.
1: Yes, she does not have it.
0: And uh, did she get tested before or after you?
1: She got tested after me. Um, she initially wasn't going to get tested at all. Um, I actually badgered her and because I think it's so important, I pushed on her until she finally went ahead and did it. Um, because I think it's so important to know whether or not your kids are in danger.
0: So, I mean, yeah, that is a good thing to prepare them for. I mean, that's kind of a hard question to ask. You know, it's, it's a very personal decision on when you want to go in and get tested for something that is life changing. I mean, me, I agree with you. I want to know as soon as possible because I would want to make my life plans according, but so many people, you know, they want to live their life in blissful ignorance, I guess, is maybe the, the way to put it. But You know, I think I agree with you when you already have children, you know, but I mean, I guess if you were in that situation and you had children, when you found out, would you tell them from the start? Would you wait till they got older to tell them? How would you handle that?
1: Um, I think I would tell them at a level that they would understand. Mm -hmm. I think if my children were really young, um, when I started showing symptoms or if I got tested and I knew like something was going on, I would tell them, you know, like mommy is sick and she's going to get worse over time, but I'm okay now. And mm-hmm. then when things come up, you can address those things individually. Like, Oh, um, I can't control that mo- Like that movement. That's not on purpose. That's part of mom being sick.
0: Okay. And with that, like, what is the progression of, of these symptoms? Is there a certain age that start at? Does it start like, is it, you know, always you start shaking and then whatever, like how, how's that progression from person to person?
1: Um, It's actually pretty random and hard to track. Um, some people get sick between like 30, 35 is what they say the average is to start showing symptoms. Some people wait as long as 70 before they start showing symptoms and then they think it's Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or something else. Um, And like the degree to which you're going to get it, like how bad your symptoms are going to be, that changes from person to person as well. Um, Some people have really bad movements and some people just have the mental issues and have very little movement. Um, So it's really different it's really hard to tell.
0: And so just to recap, the symptoms are you have uh, chorea, uncontrollable movements that are just uh, trouble starting and stopping movements is from what I understand from what I've read and seen. Uh, and then there's dementia, there's memory issues, uh, there's depression, there's anger issues. Um, it's kind of the whole gambit of physical and mental issues. And I find it strange that there's no seeming correlation between how fast it progresses and and how it progresses with the number of repeating uh, CAGs that you have and And that's kind of something that we didn't talk about. Do you remember what the uh what the numbers are off offhand on on what the line is between having it not having it and maybe having it?
1: I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this, but I'm gonna be at least close that like thirty two and less you're one hundred percent safe and then like thirty two to like thirty six or thirty nine somewhere in there. They're not really sure you could or could not get it, um, depending on your case. And then after 39, I'm pretty sure it's positive.
0: And what's your repeating number?
1: My repeater number is 44. So
0: there was no question about it. You're definitely going to get it. Definitely.
1: Um, I should also point out that there's something, um, early onset child version of Huntington's disease. When you have high repeaters, like in the hundreds, they'll start showing symptoms at a very young age.
0: So what's the community like? Is there, is there, I mean, I know we've gone to help groups, but is there lots of help groups all over the place? Is there limited centers that deal with this?
1: Um, my understanding is um, we happen to live close to LA. And so there's a lot of um, stuff coming out of UCLA, but I'm not sure that there is that much support everywhere else. I think that people need to uh, take the time and go out and start groups for people when places that don't already have them because um, as I said that community can be so important and being able to talk to other people because you know you have questions and and there's no one to answer them because a lot of the time the family member who is afflicted is either already passed away or they're you know inflicted and they have issues remembering things and understanding things and talking about things you know so it's I don't know like you always fear things like does it hurt you know like who do you ask if it hurts if there's you don't have a community to reach out to.
0: That makes sense. And how has your experience been with, uh, with like normal doctors, everyday doctors that you go to? Are they pretty knowledgeable? Are they helpful when it comes to these sorts of things?
1: (laughs) Um, a lot of them don't know what Huntington's disease is. Really? I actually had a doctor stop and sit down in the room I was in and look the disease up and read it and go, Oh, well this is terrible.
0: (laughs) I bet that made you feel wonderful.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it made me feel smarter than a doctor.
0: Oh wow. I mean that's I mean that's kind of nice to feel on some point but I, you probably don't want to feel smarter than your doctor, right? Like that's uh
1: <laughs> No. Um I do find that people have a hard time like just general friends that I've had over the years some of them have a hard time handling it because like, I think my eminent doom makes them think of their eminent doom, and so I've lost friends since I've been diagnosed.
0: Has it been, like, an outright, like, people just say, I, I can't handle this, I'm sorry, I can't be your friend anymore, or what or how does that go?
1: Um, Most of them just kind of fade away. Like, they call and talk, and, like, they were there when I found out, and then they just kind of slipped away into nothing.
0: I'm sorry to hear that. So people describe HD as having ALS, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's, and I wanted to mention that again because we kind of hit that earlier. Because uh, several years ago, ALS had that uh, the ice bucket challenge. I don't know if you remember that, and it, it went viral, and they wanted everybody to know because ALS is such a rare disease. And I just want to state that because Huntington's is even more rare than ALS. Uh, it's it's I, I want to say less than one in one. Uh, was it one in one million? I think. I don't know. It's it's, some crazy amount of number like that. I don't have the stat in front of me, unfortunately, but it's a very, very rare disease. Have you known anybody uh, before you uh, got tested before you started going to these centers other than your mom? Have you known anybody that's had this disease?
1: Nope. Um, I don't even know anyone who's ever mentioned it. Like It was never even a thing. It was always something our family knew about that nobody else ever knew.
0: Has that kind of seem like a burden in some cases or is it just you know just a thing
1: well um I have the tendency to be I have the tendency to be uh in a need to tell people I I go out of my way to bring it up like I'm always talking about it I'm really open about it I went out and got a tattoo of the blue Huntington's disease ribbon on my arm so people would ask me questions about it so I could answer um like it's I just think it's really important that people need to know and I will do anything I can like jump up and down and scream if I have to, to make sure people hear me.
0: What's the best thing that people could do to help out if they wanted to help in some way?
1: You know, I think that, uh, donating to the h d s a is a really good way. Um, we buy bracelets and like t-shirts and all kinds of stuff. That money goes to research and to, Um, Housing, because something we haven't mentioned is housing for Huntington's disease patients is really hard because they don't need 24 hour care, but they need more care than an assisted living facility. So you have to have specialized somebody coming in and doing it a completely different way than everybody's set up for.
0: And you mentioned uh, earlier that, you know, with your mom, people thought that she was uh, drunk or on drugs and stuff. And you combine that with how little is known of this disease. And, you know, I see, like, I see videos online going about people videoing somebody that's doing something crazy and everybody's making fun of, you know, meth heads. And it makes me think, like, What if that person isn't a meth head? What if they have some disease like like Huntington's that, you know, I I don't know about? And it makes me really sad. Like, we should be there for people as a community. And I know there's a discussion about whether alcoholism and drug abuse is an addiction, is a disease, is a person's fault, not their fault, whatever. But I don't think anybody stops to consider what if it's not even those things. What if it's just a disease that they have no control over? Have you ever had any experiences? I mean, I know you said you haven't progressed uh, a lot in that way in your disease, but I mean, I'm hoping you've never experienced that.
1: I don't think I have. Um, I mean, I fall around and lean on stuff and knock things over on occasion, but I think people just think I'm really clumsy.
0: (laughs) And that's kind of, you know, I mean, that's got to be, I don't know if stressful is the right word on its own, but, you know, you know... Who you are and where you were at before you started progressing in in this disease, and when it's the the early portion of, of the symptoms that are coming on, you just look like oh, you're just a little clumsy for people that don't know that you weren't that clumsy. But to be fair, you were always a little clumsy, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, or like uh, what was or you know, like issues with your memory. Well, you're just getting older, right? So losing your memory is part of getting older. But I mean, that's not all of what this is in, uh, you know, in your progression. I mean, how, how does it bother you when, or I guess first have people just written off your symptoms as just getting older or just being clumsy or whatever else?
1: Um, I think that they do. Um, even people who know, I think they still tend to lean towards that because that's what they know. Like, um, my processing speed has always been higher than everybody else's. Um, and so I've noticed a really big dip in my processing speed, but nobody else can see it. And so it drives me insane when I can't recall things as fast or like I can't do pattern recognition like I used to and just silly stuff like that comes up all the time.
0: Yeah. I know that you've talked about when you go in and kind of get your benchmarking for testing at the UCLA center that, uh, they test your processing speed and even seeing the decline that you have uh you are now scoring in like the high average whereas before you were off the charts finishing things in under time right
1: oh yeah um my when i had my iq test they say do this pattern recognition booklet and then they say no one ever finishes the booklet i finished the booklet with time to spare
0: <laughs> yeah so i mean that's it's hard because even the people that are involved in this disease don't necessarily understand. And one thing that I've noticed is that they seem to place more importance on the physical signs and less the mental. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Um, that is definitely accurate, especially with doctors. Um, if you're not having muscle, then they can't measure it. And so they don't treat it. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like um, insurance and disability, stuff like that, like they can't, get inside your head to see what's wrong so they just write it off and they think you're fine and you have to keep applying and keep applying and keep applying and wait till you're so sick that it's obvious and then they'll help you out.
0: And have you been able to get disability yet?
1: Um, I was working on it but um, it's just so hard.
0: Yeah that process should be Uh, a lot easier than it is i think and especially i know recently they passed a bill specifically for huntington's disease that allows uh expedited processing but that just means they will process it faster you you still have to jump through all the hoops that you've always had to so i mean at least that's something right
1: yeah they just decline you faster
0: (laughs) i mean that's not funny but you know (laughs) Uh, so is there anything else that you would want to say to people out there who, who want more information on Huntington's or that you just, you want people to know?
1: Um, well, I'll give another shout out to the HDSA. Um, they do really good work and it's not like, uh, like cancer where all the money goes back to advertising. Like this money goes straight to the people who need it. Um, and that's really important. And I think that, um, you know, if you really want to help, then try to reach out to, people with Huntington's disease, maybe go to meetings or go to, they have like, um, HDSA funded walks and you can raise money and all kinds of stuff you can do to help out.
0: All right. I think that sounds good. And I'd like to add to everybody, you know, to, to play on something that I said earlier, when you're on your social media and you see those videos of people moving weird or acting ridiculous and everybody's making fun of them for being on drugs, just, Maybe wait a second and and think about it before you hit that share button and you propagate that stereotype. Those people could legitimately have diseases that are out of their control. And the last thing that they need in their life is to be ridiculed by millions of people online. Uh, Just just think about it. That's all I ask. Uh, Thanks again, Gary, for coming on the show. I really appreciate your open gander on this subject. I know that it's not always easy to talk about, but it's something that needs to be talked about.
1: Well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I think getting the word out about this disease is super important. And I'm glad that I could help to facilitate this discussion.
0: All right. Thanks. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thank All you. All right. Bye. I don't care about the state of art. Everything I
1: cared about is falling apart. Don't want to hear about the new design. I don't mind if I get left
0: behind. What a great talk with Carrie. Uh, I just wanted to remind everybody that Carrie is still pretty early on in her progression, but this disease is such a dynamic disease that it's possible to see uh, all forms of issues come up with people who are less progressed in the disease time-wise, and, uh, you know, there's people that are less... Uh, progressed with symptoms but have been diagnosed for longer so it's really hard to look at somebody and tell how far along they are and and to really understand uh, what people are dealing with and it it's such a broad spectrum of things and in, in, in the way that it comes about and it's so individual to the person that it's almost uh, it seems like it's almost impossible for them to compare to get proper uh, diagnosis and uh, progression of the disease So, uh, I just wanted to come back also and talk about some things that were said in the interview, you know, when you're doing live off the cuff kind of discussions and we want to talk about very large things and very small things, we're prone to exaggeration. Uh, one of these things that I did say was Huntington is like one in millions. Obviously that's not correct when we actually sit down and look at it. So I went and grabbed the actual numbers for you just to kind of look at and compare. Uh, so ALS, as we talked about, uh, is roughly 5 to 7 people out of every 100,000 are suffering from ALS, with approximately 30,000 people uh, diagnosed today. On Huntington's, that number is about 3 to 5 out of every 100,000, and roughly 25,000 people are diagnosed with Huntington's uh not to say that one disease is worse than the other but just ALS had a lot of spotlight here recently so I kind of use that as a benchmark uh and again these numbers kind of they jump around a little bit depending on where you go uh and uh where you get them from the other thing I want to talk about was the study that we mentioned in the in the talk uh I believe it's called the Ionis HTTX uh no, Ionis HTTRX, uh, which lowers the mutant Huntington protein. Um, and so I, I pulled up uh, a q and with the UK HD Association uh, coordinator uh, Dr. Ed Wild is his name and asks some of the more or answers some of the more uh, frequently asked questions. And the number one big question is, is this a cure? Can it be a cure? Is it helpful for people who have already suffered damage from this disease? Uh, and here's what he says. He says, first things first, uh, the news on ionis HTTRX lowers the mutant hunting protein is great, but it's not a cure. In general, I think it's better to hope for an effective treatment because a cure is very high bar to clear. We can't cure HIV or diabetes, but medical advances have dramatically transformed those into manageable conditions. Progress happens gradually, and we need to be in this for the long haul. That said, we do think that lowering the mutant Huntington protein level with Ionis HTTRX has the potential to make a positive difference, even after HD symptoms have begun. We won't know until a larger, longer trial has been run. In the trial that just finished, people were only treated for three months, which is too short a time to give any idea of whether the drug slows HT progression. So that's kind of information on that. It is a great breakthrough. Uh, all the people that did go through those three months of trials that did show significant decrease in the amount of uh, mutated proteins in, in their system. So that is definitely something to watch. Uh, I hope you guys all got something great out of this uh, this interview today with Carrie. I hope you take the time to look a little bit into this disease. If you know somebody or you have a family member with this disease and you just want to say, hey... Shout out, give me information, whatever you want to do. I'd love to hear from you. This is a very, very small community, and, you know, like everything, it helps to have that support group, just like Carrie said. But anyways, that's all for this week. Uh, I'll catch you guys next time. I hope you enjoyed, and uh, have a good rest of your week. As always, the music for this episode was produced by Brad Sucks. It is state-of-the-art, which you can find at bradsucks.net.